Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, thanks for listening to Dirt and Sprague On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Is your heater safe? Why replace it when Service Patriots can restore it? Get their $59 27-point furnace tune-up and safety check, including a free one-inch filter. They'll also check your AC for free. Go to servicepatriots.com. This week, the Ducks and Huskies do battle. Huskies can't stop the clock. This game's going to be over. And Oregon has come to Seattle. They're going to come out on top. Fourth down and three. Back to throw. Quick throw. Incomplete! Oregon's going to get the ball back. This is an Oregon versus Washington week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by Grillworks Supply Company. Off Hall Boulevard in Beaverton. Come tailgate at the largest grilling retailer center in the Pacific Northwest this Saturday. Or visit them online at grillworkspdx.com. Top with our pads. Oregon versus Washington week with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader. 1080 The Fan, the Odyssey app, and of course, 99.5 HD2. Happy Wednesday. Week's kind of flying by. It is. We got a big weekend, man. I can't wait. I already want to like start previewing every game, but I don't want to use up all of our ammunition two days too early. I uh, Oregon State had that uh, game against Utah, and I was a wreck all week. Mm-hmm. You could tell I wasn't trusting. I was nervous. You were not in a good place after that Washington State loss. Well, I, I commend you and many Duck fans. I don't know how you guys handle this. Like you have three of these games a year, four of these games a year, and you just you guys just cocky and confidently walk right in there and don't care at all if you're way wrong on how good or bad your team is. And Man, Oregon State goes like 2-0, and and I'm like, oh my God, I can't handle the third game. I can't handle the third game. <laughs> the good news, I think, for Oregon this week and for Washington, it goes both ways, is that neither team had to play one of those non-conference games that they didn't have a chance at winning, and so you haven't been eliminated yet. Like, if Oregon had played Alabama in Week 1 in Dallas and lost by two touchdowns, this game would have a. I, I would be far more nervous. But the reality exists that the loser of this game is not eliminated in any way, shape, or form. Mm. The last time Oregon made the college football playoff was in 2014. Do you remember who they lost to in the regular season that year? Uh, Arizona at home. Yeah, they were 20 or 21 point favorites I at think. home, and I they lost. That, yeah. Rich Rodriguez Night came game, to town right? and beat them. They yeah. wore the pink uh, the pink jerseys for that's, breast cancer in October. That's right. And then they played them again in the Pac-12 title game, and they beat them by 50 points. And so, like, that's the good news at least for this week. Doesn't mean you don't want to win. Doesn't mean there's not a lot of intensity. But the fact that a loss isn't going to end either team's season, I think, is calming my approach a little bit. Yeah, I heard this yesterday on the fan. It might, I think, it was Isaac. And he said, like, what's on the line? And he kind of just echoed what you said there. Like, 
No, nothing really. Well, it's massive if you win, though, because you are giving yourself the buffer zone down the road. That if Oregon is to trip up or Washington is to lose to USC or Oregon loses to Utah, you've given yourself that buffer. But but I think the idea is what you're saying, your larger point of both teams are still good enough to get through and yes. go back to a Pac-12 title game. I would actually pick these two teams to meet again as of right now in the Pac-12 title game. My only pushback on that stuff is I, I do kind of disagree with the narrative. Because you ask Oregon Duck fan on Monday if there's really no real thing from the game. Oh, of course. You yeah. don't know if you'll face him again. Yeah. And vice versa, by the way. Washington fans, same thing. You lose to Oregon. It's not just that you have one loss. It's that you got to endure the bragging rights. Right? It's the yeah. Twitter, the Facebook, the TikTok, uh, the radio, the TV. It's just going to be all like, yeah, well, you didn't beat them. I mean, especially for UW, who's at home as a favorite, Oregon coming up there and beating them. I mean, yeah, maybe they'll face off again in the Pac-12 title game. I'm not eliminating them out of that conversation, but sure. the whole, like, there's nothing really from it. Uh, ask the fan bases yep. if that's true, because one of them is going to be incredibly pissed and sad come Saturday at the end of that game. Well, and then to your point, I think that what happens to the loser is the rest of your season is on razor's edge. Like every you're walking game. on thin ice yeah. every step that you take. Right. And it was the reality that Oregon had last year because they had to play Georgia in week one, and you knew another loss was going to do it. And what was the next loss that did it? After winning eight in a row, it was the Washington game at the end of the season. I know they ended up losing to Oregon State as well, but Oregon had found their way back into the conversation. There was that discussion, could they make the playoff, but you didn't have a buffer zone. You lose a tight game to Washington at the end. Boom, your season is basically over and you're eliminated from the playoff race. And so that will be the reality for the loser, uh, that you're just going to have to walk on thin ice all season. I'm, I, I, um, I'm finding it incredibly difficult I was supposed to get to Lincoln Riley here, but we'll we'll push that to seven fifteen. I am finding it incredibly difficult. I'm reading like uh, Bonagura has a really good piece on ESPN about the high powered attack of the Huskies. Right, mm-hmm. you you read, you hear when you dive into this game, and and this is going to be a little difficult because I'm asking people to take something away that you can't. <laughs> but if you remove your fandom of whoever you root for in this game, or root against for whatever reason. I just don't know how you differentiate these teams. Like, you want to be the guy that come Monday, you were right. Washington's <laughs> going to roll them. Washington can't be stopped. Or you want to go the other way. Oregon's defense is stout and elite. And, like, you might be right on Monday on one of those opinions. I'm trying to be level-headed about this. And when you dive into numbers, you can – Give me metrics on both sides. How do you differentiate these teams? Yeah, it's really hard to do. Especially if you remove your fandom. I just, I don't know if it's possible. No, this this has all of the, okay, is there a big special teams play? Is there a huge uh, game-changing turnover? It, it, it feels like one of those games. I will say this. I think a, a talking point that has not been brought up enough, and part of this is just because we've kind of danced around the game, but we haven't fully dove into the game yet. Yeah, we're kind of doing it all week. It's, it's like a little toe. We've got a toe in the water we're, like for a, a segment every build. day. Yeah. It's a slow build. <laughs> it's, we're simmering. This is a crock pot. Yes. Week. It's the shirtless dad with the gut. <laughs> right now, we're about at our shins yeah. in the water. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to be all the way in there, and yeah. our shoulders will be just above the water. Beer in the hand. We're feeling good. <laughs> One of the things that I don't think, because I've heard a lot of people bring up the notion, and right Rightfully so. 
of how is Oregon going to slow down Michael Penix. Michael Penix, look, he looks out of this world this season. Unbelievable. The numbers are great. He's even better. The passing attack is better than we could have even imagined from where it was last year. And those are all valid questions that will end up having an impact on the outcome of the game. I think the most untalked about aspect of this game is the reverse of that matchup. And that I don't think enough people are asking, is Washington going to be able to stop Oregon? Because when you look at a lot of their defensive metrics, Bob, they're not good. Their pressure rate against the quarterback is one of the worst in the country. Their rush defense is not good. I think in total defense in the conference, they're like 7th or 8th overall amongst the likes of Cal and USC. Rush defense is 7th in the Pac-12 right now. Pass defense Pass is 7th. Yeah. They're largely like a middle-of-the-road defense in this so, conference, statistically speaking. This is where, and Oregon is not this year, but I think part of that is who they've played, right? You play Portland State in Week 1, your numbers are going to be a little skewed. So I don't think Oregon is as good as their numbers indicate. But I just, I, that to me is a talking point I've heard a ton is how was Oregon going to stop Michael Penix? How are they going to stop Michael Penix? And I get it, man. It's not easy to stop Michael Penix. But I do think Oregon is bringing the better defense to the table this weekend. And I think that's a valid question that needs, needs to be asked the other way. We have talked about the Pac-12 ad nauseum going mm-hmm. back to the summer. And one thing that I have remained consistent on the, coming into the year, I viewed three teams as the, the legitimate conference title contenders. I think Utah I was concerned about the Cam Rising injury, and I wasn't sure when he was going to be healthy. I wasn't quite there on Oregon State. I thought Washington State was a sleeper, but maybe not to the point of winning the conference. UCLA could be good. I thought there were three teams at the top, Oregon, Washington, and USC. Rank them however you want to rank them. But my stance in August, and it remains the same today, is whichever one of those teams ends up having the best defense is probably going to be the team that wins the conference because we can split hairs with these offensive numbers. Washington's passing attack is better than Oregon's. That's 100% true. Oregon's rushing attack is night and day better than Washington's. They're far more balanced offensively, right? USC's putting up ungodly numbers, but they can't play any defense. So the team that ends up figuring it out on that side of the ball is likely going to be the team that wins. And I don't think enough people this week are asking that question. Will Washington be able to slow down Oregon on Saturday? So you're, you're, of all the matchups we could go to, your matchup that you're watching the most that you think dictates the game, just going into it, is... Can Washington, Washington stop, defense yes. against that Oregon offense? Can they stop Oregon from running the football? And look, you can point to me and say, hey, Dirt, it wasn't an impact last year. You know how many yards Oregon ran for against Washington last year? I don't, actually. I need to re-watch that game. I need to see the Pac-12 Network has it replaying it. They probably point. will. I'm going to stay away from watching it again because I don't want to go through That's it again. It's a good football it's game. It's a great man. game. They ran for 320 yards on Washington last year. And they lost. And they lost. That's crazy. But they were... they. We don't need to, we then, don't need to rehash it, but the they injury. sure, but they scored a ton of points. And Oregon's defense was awful mm-hmm. last year. They could not come up with a stop. I just to me, I, I've heard a lot of the and again valid because nobody's been able to slow down Michael Penix this year, and I understand why that's a talking point. I just find it interesting that we're not really bringing that up on the other side when Oregon's offensive numbers are as good as anybody in the country. Do you know who the closest UW player is to sack total? Just an individual sacks in the Pac-12. Do you know where that? I don't is. know. I know. I know. Pressure rate for Washington this year. They're in the one hundreds in terms of getting out for the quarterback. If you go through the whole conference statistically, just in an individual sack total, the first Husky you see is twentieth. Yeah, there are two Beavers, two Cougars, an Arizona, this is my three point. USC's, an Oregon. It, there are a lot of te- UCLA, obviously with Latu, who's probably the defense player of the year. If he's healthy, like. There's a lot of players ahead of any UW player with just individually getting sacks. 
Pressure rate is also a huge, and I'm kind of off on total defense. Okay, that's fair. Lanning actually is the one who did this to me a couple weeks ago. Yeah, give up all the yards you want, but if you don't score, who cares? Exactly, (laughs) and he's like, how many yards are accumulated in garbage time when we have backups in or the game is clearly in hand? Yeah. Total yards is kind of a stupid indicator of defense. And a lot of that could be for Washington's defense this year. Well, maybe because they've is. had big leads in all of their games, yeah. and maybe they're putting their backups in. I know the Cal game, for example, they gave up a ton of yards, like 500-plus yards to Cal, but the vast majority of those came in the second half when Washington was already up by 30. I don't know if I've I've, I've kind of landed on a spot that I think the game is dictated by. I think with rivalries, I'm not sure so much it's one matchup, whereas it's like a combo of what you're saying. Does the UW defense get key stops and key moments? And then also what Swag said. Special teams blunder, yeah. pick six, a fumble. Like sometimes that's all this boils down to. We can do the stats as much as we want. You can say, well, Oregon had this uh, amount of yards per rush, and UW had this amount of yards per pass attempt. You can do all the numbers. We might come in Monday and go, oh man, I didn't see so and so fumbling at his <laughs> own 12 and that yeah. team scooping and scoring. And oh, what'd they win by? Five. And that's the difference, right? It's an untalked about thing from last year's game. Oregon fumbled a snap inside the five-yard line. Yes, they did. They got cute, went under center. They were trying to do a little jet sweep, I think, or something like that. Bo Nix fumbled the snap. Washington recovered it. They ended up getting a stop and then scoring on their next drive. So it's one of those butterfly effects. How does the game go? But you fumble inside the five. That's That was a huge loss possession. Hey, coming up next, did we predict that this was going to happen? Do you buy that it's going to happen? Next on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We'll dive into the Beaver-UCLA game with the UCLA sideline reporter and good friend of the show, Wayne Cook. Haven't talked to Wayne in a while. Love Wayne Cook. He's a good guy. I think last time we did was for the Oregon UCLA game last year. The surprise onside kick. They snuck attack him. He out big balls Chip. Yes, he did. In his own building. Does Beaver fan like Chip a little bit more now that he's supportive of your your uh, rights to be in a Power Five conference? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think Beaver fan really hated Chip. I think hate Chip really. Why would we have hated Chip? Like his I mean, teams he, beat us. At Oregon, he did. No, twice but, to. No, one step for a Rose Bowl on the line. I'm at, but like, you hate the coach of the team if they beat you? I, yeah, is that not like, a so thing? You, you hate Kalen DeBoer? I mean, that's only one game. But if, if they win this year, you hate Kalen DeBoer? There's a little bit of that, yeah. Really? A little bit of that. I feel like the coach has to earn the hate. Like, the coach, I kind of view as a separate entity, right? It's mm. 
the team or the university I don't like. The coach, not so much wrapped up unless they dive head first and go, you know, F that school or whatever. I think you're way too rational-minded. Chip literally didn't even identify the Washington game as a rivalry. He told you no. nameless, faceless opponent. So it's like it's hard to hate a guy who doesn't really care about anything. So it was right to bring LeGarrette Blunt back in the second half of the Civil War in 2009 to go to the Rose Bowl? No, but we know why he did it. <laughs> you don't want to lose at home to Oregon State, and that was going to happen. Uh, Lincoln Riley, we have uh, we may have predicted something on this show before any other show or person. And that is... I've kind of been feeling the whole NFL offense and that being a big deal. Lincoln Riley, the National Football League, is picking up a lot of steam. There was a piece that was released yesterday, a profile piece on him, where basically he admits that he's thought about early retirement. He's had friends who have uh, become sick and ill that have made him question kind of life and the, the big picture mm. things. And how NFL coaches live the best off-season lifestyle, which we've been saying for a decade. Like, yeah, you don't have to recruit. You just go off and live on an island and let your GM handle things and answer texts once in a while. Yeah, you do a little scouting here or there, show up to the combine and watch some guys. Shake hands, kiss babies, eat a steak at St. Elmo's. You know, it's not really that difficult of a life compared to college coach. It's like 24-7, portal, NIL, what's going on? And Lincoln Riley may have given an indicator that he is indeed on the way out with something he talked about, a weakness of his team. And I'll kind of tie this back together. Here he was. He was asked about the defense. And he went on a little bit of a rant here, but I, I want to play it in full. His response to fans and media questioning the defense, questioning Alex Grinch. Here's what he thinks about his defense. Again, you get to that point and in games like that, and somebody's got to make the play to turn it around. And the reality is in regulation, you know, look, here's the deal. We kicked that field goal uh, and went in regulation. We're all talking about how the defense gave up only 11 points the rest of the day, and they got they started the entire run that got us back on the same page. But it's one field goal that we don't make that the defense has no control over, and then all everybody wants to do is just look at the final score. It's like, oh well, this and that, and it doesn't. It just doesn't tell the entire story. And so Caleb was exactly right. You know, it's, it's what we've been trying to say. We're not hiding from the from the areas that we got to continue to make improvement, and there certainly are some, but this is a much improved unit. There, there's no question about it. And this is a unit, I think, when you talk about the top end potential, has a chance to really grow and get better fast, given some of the youth, some of the new uh, people, some of the uh, quality depth that we have, some of the injuries that we've had that have prevented guys from being able to continually get snaps. But there's a there's a lot of good things happening on this defense, man. Like, you don't sit there and do what we're doing in TFLs, do what we're doing in sacks. Like, there's there's so many great things. And but, but here's the deal. Everybody in the media had their mind made up, all right? Now, I won't generalize. A lot of people in the media had their mind made up that the first second there was any adversity this year, they oh, my God, you know, should have done this, and they should have made this change, and blah, blah, blah. And it's and it's not true. Like, listen, you're going to go through the whole year. You're going to have a tough game. Like, you're going to have a tough quarter. Do you respond, right? Do you show continued growth? And that's going to continue to be written throughout the entire year. But there's a lot of great things happening here, and we'll own the, we'll own the things that need to get better, but people need to, to make sure they're seeing the other side of it as well. And that's... That's what we've been trying to say for a long time, and I think you both, myself, and, and I, Caleb and some other players, I think are 
we're venting a little bit of frustration with that, to be completely honest. So uh, I like the job we're doing there. I think we're, we're set up to play really well the second half of the season, and I can promise you inside these walls, there is no expectation other than to play high level uh, here in the second half of this year. So he is right. They are really good in sacks and tackles for loss. I went through a lot of other stats. They are statistically right now this year. I'll give you one just an example. Opponent first downs allowed per game. They are worse in that cat. They're worse in almost every other categories <laughs> except for the two that he named. Yeah. And even those, like, let's let the season play out to see where you ultimately finish in, like, tackles for loss. But in other statistical categories, he's just wrong. They they are worse than what their group was last year. And we knew last year's group wasn't uh, very good. I know you want to sound off on his clip on the defense. I'll just add this and throw it at you. I think he did this, and I, I'll be curious to see. I'm now officially, I think he is currently his agent. They're working something out in the NFL. There's some. There's a smell to this. He seems like a guy that knows this is his last year, and your last year doing something, would you want to fire a friend? No. I, I'll be surprised. I will now put myself in the surprised category that if they lose a game and their defense sucks – if he actually fires Alex Grinch. And if he doesn't, interesting. I think it's an indicator he might be out along with Caleb Williams. Yeah, that, if I were a USC fan, would be an alarming thing, right? If you if you don't end the season well, which I think there's a lot of metrics that show that USC might stumble a little bit here. Starting this weekend, a lot of people love Notre Dame to win that game. Notre Dame is favored in that game. They're ranked well behind USC in every poll, basically, but Notre Dame is a favorite at home. That should tell you something about how Vegas views it. That doesn't even count having to play Utah, which I don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. The very following week, they get Washington at home, at Oregon, and then a UCLA game at at the end of the year and UCLA's got a legitimate defense this year and so if you're not going to fire him and if things truly do hit the side of a mountain then I'm going to fully buy into what you're selling I think the tough part with him would be is Caleb Williams truly talking about coming back like is that a real thing because that would be pretty tough I would imagine as a head coach to walk away from we're going to find out though like you want to stick your neck out and you want to defend your defense coordinator again and you want to blame the media for this which I love that's what we're doing you guys were just waiting for us to have a bad moment and then you were going to pounce like your bad moment was San Jose State scoring 28 points on you in week one that was your bad moment your second bad moment was allowing Arizona State without a functioning quarterback to score 28 points on you your third bad moment was watching an offense that couldn't score a touchdown against Oregon couldn't get a first down against Oregon to score 41 points against you and then a backup quarterback at Arizona, you allow him to jump out to a 17-0 lead and they scored 41 points in that game. Now, he is correct. A lot of a lot of those points and yards came in overtime, but it wasn't like their defense was elite in that game in the second, third, and fourth quarters. So this is a problem for them, and we're going to find out. Like I Put your money where your mouth is, Lincoln. Let's see how good your defense is. Notre Dame's offense is not very good. Go look at the numbers behind them and what they've done the last three weeks. They've played three viable opponents this year. Duke, Ohio State, and Louisville. You know what their highest point total in those three games is? 21. 21 points in their win over Duke. They scored 20 last week against Louisville, coming in a garbage-time touchdown. They were at 13, and they lost 17-14 at home to Ohio State. Yeah. So you want to tell me your defense is great and we're just pouncing because we're the big, bad media? Let's see what you got this weekend. The piece uh, that was done, I can't remember if it was the Athletic or the L.A. Times, I mean, a piece like that, when you read that, it does read like a guy that's kind of telling you without telling you, I, I'm going to the NFL because I'm going to – I mean, we talk about these coaches' salaries. 
Some of these dudes in the NFL make like $14, $15 million a year. Good money, man. He's going to be able to pick his job. You don't have to recruit in the offseason. Well, and everybody's kind of tying like he's just going to go to the Caleb team. And maybe he does. Maybe he does go to like a Chicago or something. I'm I'm going to stick to my guns on this as a prediction. I think not only is he gone, why would you not just stay in L.A. and have a Justin Herbert? I mean, you need the Chargers to do the right thing first off there, well, I mean, and that's not a guarantee. Do you have a lot of faith in the Chargers, like, actually exceeding expectation no. of what the— Okay, so— But I also don't have faith that they would fire Brandon Staley because he uh, should have been fired from blowing— What did they? What was the lead in that playoff game 20, that they blew? 27. They blew a 27-point lead in the playoff game. Yeah, but I can understand the reasoning of he got us back to the playoffs. Let's see yeah, if he can build he, on it. Did he? Did he? Well, he didn't, but yeah, the players <laughs> did. But I, I think the reasoning for me is like yeah. this is the year, take a step forward. They don't take a step forward in L.A. You got Justin Herbert, man. It's time to win. You just paid that dude. Yeah, I bet the Cowboy job could be open depending on how the rest of the season goes. Like There, there will be options. No doubt. There. No doubt. Remember, he bought a mega mansion in L.A., and it's not like he can't afford to buy a house in any other city, but I just some of these guys... Don't really want to move the family around all that much. I thought it was a really telling piece, a really good piece, but really telling of he's kind of eye in the NFL right now. How often does the season end on a great note for teams whose coaches kind of eye and elsewhere? Exactly. I think of another team in Eugene whose coach was kind of openly negotiating with his alma mater. We don't need to do that again. We don't need to relive that. And how did that, that season? Well, I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> it didn't that, end, end well. When this happens yeah. and seasons don't go the same way, you tend to hear why, and it's because, oh, his agent was negotiating during the season. Not great. Not great at all. Uh, let's talk Oregon State-UCLA. Wayne Cook does sidelines for UCLA. Good friend of the show. Uh, we'll talk to him coming up next for the Daily Ticker. Status story at 815 and Jonathan Smith Audio. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. Well, it is Oregon and Washington week, but as we've said all week, it is also Oregon State versus UCLA week, a big game in Corvallis on Saturday night that 
we're excited for. And let's find out more about Oregon State's opponent and talk to our good friend, former UCLA quarterback and sideline voice of Bruin football, Wayne Cook, at Wayne Cook UCLA on Twitter. Wayne, good morning to you. We always enjoy the conversations. I'm going to start with something that I've had a hard time wrapping my head around, and I don't know if you have either. UCLA is now a defensive juggernaut. When did this happen and how did this happen? That is an awesome question. Um, it, it's happened because of the transfer portal. We brought in a ton of just talent. Um, and the Murphy twins are both from somewhere else. Latu's from, from Washington. Um, we've got Darius Moose. I was from Hawaii. We've got, I mean, we've got a lot of guys that came, uh, from, came from other places. Uh, Jay Toias from USC. Um, I think Kay Madrano is one of the few guys in that group that uh, that we actually recruited. John John Vaughn's also, he's a baseball player and a football player. But a lot of the guys, you know, throughout the whole defense are are, uh, are transfers. And I think UCLA's done a great job of bringing those guys in, um, not just as good athletes, but guys that fit the culture as well. Well, let me ask you about that, Wayne, because you look at the transfer list. There's another team in L.A. that also hit the portal pretty hard defensively, and they suck. Yeah. So... <laughs> I, I, the portal's great because you can fill voids, but I'm curious how the defensive coordinator and yeah. Chip Kelly and company have been able to make these guys work so well together. So it's been from day one, and you guys, you know, I've been doing these shows for a long time, and I've been trying to tell people that even early on when Chip Kelly's teams were losing, I, I knew what the plan was. They they were they didn't care if they if they lost a bunch of games early on. They were going to build this thing correctly. And and it was almost like we were on probation those first couple of years. We didn't have enough athletes. We had a ton of young players. We weren't getting the, the transfers at the time, and it was just a slow build. But they were they were they were going to do it right. They weren't going to you know take shortcuts, and so they had to go out and recruit not just good players. They had to fit with the culture, and it's always been really really important. And if you ever watch this team practice, and I get to do that quite a bit. They practice so hard. They legitimately like each other. The coaches, the coaching staff is amazing. We brought in a defensive coordinator this year, Dan Lynn, who, who's a future star. This guy is brilliant. The game plan against Washington State last week, if you guys watched that game, was yeah. brilliant. I mean, they, they couldn't do anything. Cam Ward just looked like, I mean, he didn't know what to do. He, he was like, oh, I'm going to scramble right now. Well, no, I'm not, because Carl Jones is spying me every single time. We got to him with three guys all day. And then it was just coverage, and they, nobody could get open. So it, it's been brilliant what we've seen on that side of the ball. And here's the here's the the great thing, you guys: the offense in the Pac-12 has struggled. Uh, in the non-conference, we were we were pretty good, but in the, in the Pac-12 against Utah and against Washington State, the offense has been just okay. We ran the ball much better last week, but there's so much talent on that side of the ball, and we've got an 18-year-old quarterback that's just learning right now. So it's kind of like just hang on, and if the offense can start catching up to what the defense is doing. I mean, we've got a great shot. I mean, you guys will talk about the Oregon and, and Washington game all week. But if you think about Oregon, Washington, and USC, they all have five ranked opponents left on their schedule. Mm-hmm. They've all got a just a disaster of a schedule left, and they're going to be holding on. You, this game's huge for Oregon State or, or, or UCLA. If they get by this one, they, they've got an easier road ahead. Yeah, to your point on UCLA, I think that's why some people liked him coming into the year. No Washington and no Oregon on the schedule down the stretch, which is a, a benefit. That's just the way the schedule game plays out sometimes. Wayne Cook is our guest. Sidelines for UCLA at Wayne Cook UCLA on Twitter. You mentioned the freshman quarterback. My co-host is a beef. He likes his team's chances this week because he's just not sure can an 18-year-old go on the road and come up with enough plays to win. You mentioned the Utah game. There was a struggle there. What do you think he learned from that game, and how do you think he handles going on the road in a hostile yeah. environment again this week? 
Well, this has been my question all year, and I, I feel terrible I do a weekly UCLA show, and I, I just keep telling people being a freshman quarterback is really hard. Like, it's just really hard. You go on When he went on the road to Utah, that was the fastest, strongest, biggest, best coach team he's ever faced in his life. So he didn't have a lot of stuff in his, in, in his brain of, like, examples of, I've been through this before. You know, the very first throw of the game was a pick six. Right. He had a pick six last week against, against Washington State. Like, going in at half for a chance to go up and have a big lead at halftime, he threw a pick six, and the next thing you know, we're down, you know, it's 10-9. It's like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? So he's really, really good, you guys. He's got all the talent in the world. But every single team he faces – including Oregon State, on the road. Research Stadium is a lot like playing at Rice Eccles. It's really, really hard. He's going to have to grow up fast because every defensive coordinator is going to blitz all kinds of different blitzes. They're going to do all kinds of things to confuse him. They're going to roll coverages. They're going to look like they're in man and drop in the zone. All that stuff for young quarterbacks messes with your head. So he's just going to have to keep learning fast because these, you know, these games with this defense – are all going to be winnable because this defense is that good. They're like as good as, as anybody I've seen in a long time. They're they're really good. They will keep you in the game. You have to do more on offense. And I think all the guys on offense know that because it's not just the quarterback. We've messed up some routes. Mm. We've had some busts on the offensive line. So there's a lot of little things that need to be cleaned up on offense moving forward. Well, he hasn't been perfect. I did feel bad for him because I watched that Wazoo-UCLA game. I was pretty jacked for it. And that pick six, It's I mean, it's just kind of – Dumb bad luck yeah. for him, you know. Like the guy jumps, yeah. he catches the ball midair, and then just goes. It's, it, it's really one of those unfortunate things. The, the player though, like Dante Moore, he's a nice story. He's a freshman. He's going to be here for for the years to come for UCLA. I think the story for Oregon State this weekend is there may be the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year coming into the building in Latu. I, what's yeah. he, what is he like to be around? And I'm assuming he knows he's the best defensive player in the conference at this point. <laughs> You know, I don't know if he thinks that way. I, I could be wrong. I ran into him and Jay Tolia in an elevator before Utah. And they both looked like they were, you know, they were going down to eat. But I, I just said, hey, guys, you ready? I just had this big old grin on their face like, dude, we can't wait. And, and they made you, I mean, I'm granted Utah's offense has not been anything special this year at all. But, but they'll still, they were. Utah couldn't run the ball. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't do anything. Washington State, same thing. One of the best offenses in the entire country. And, and Latu is – you have to deal with him. The problem is is that everybody else on that defensive front is also really good. It's not like you can just say, hey, listen, we're going to chip Latu on every play. We're going we're gonna to use the guard and tackle on him. We're going to put a back on him. We're going to put a tight end over there on him. We're going to max protect, whatever. You can't do that because then you've got to deal with the Murphys. Then you got to deal with K. Madrano blitzing from the linebacker spot. Then you got to deal with Carl Jones. Then you got to deal with. I mean, we got so many dudes that can get after you. When you look at all the rankings, you know the pro football, whatever the the rankings they put out. UCLA's defensive players are on that. They're like one and four and six and like they're everywhere. And and not to mention, I was questioning our secondary because I hadn't seen it yet because they hadn't really placed uh, played a a team that throws the ball a lot. Well, against Washington State, our secondary was lights out. Absolutely lights out. I mean, you guys all know this because we watch a lot of football. When you have a great defensive front, how much easier does that make it on your secondary? Yeah. And so that's kind of a, a key. But this is a whole new problem this week because I think this is a more complete run and pass team in Oregon State. 
Yeah, Washington State a little one-dimensional at times offensively, especially when you can take away the pass. They don't have anything else they can really lean on. We'll see right. if Oregon State can be different. I mean, this is a four-and-a-half-point spread. We picked the Pac-12 games against the spread every Thursday, Wayne, and I, I've gone back and forth on this one all week. I tend to like UCLA getting some points on the road. Just how, how do you feel about it, and how do you think it plays out? Well, again, we already talked about it. Research Stadium's tough. I, mean, I haven't been there in a while, you guys. I kind of miss the chainsaw and the atmosphere. I want to see the new stadium. It looks awesome on TV. So, like, all of that stuff to me is tough. And I think the key going forward is, it's, listen, DJ's been good. He was better against Cal. I know people want perfection all the time. That's what we do when we're fans and we watch games. But he's been a huge upgrade. The, the running game, the one-two punch that, that they have is amazing. You've got one of the best offensive lines at Oregon State in the entire nation, not just in the Pac-12. They're really, really good up front. So when you put that up against one of the best offenses, I mean, UCLA, I think, is number one in yards per play in the nation. I mean, this is such an awesome battle. But for me, it's all about UCLA's offense. If UCLA's offense can show up and, and get better and avoid turnovers, avoid turnovers, a young quarterback, I don't care if you throw for 45%, don't fumble, don't throw interceptions, right. no pick sixes. Let the defense keep you in the game and then make enough plays to win. So the offense for UCLA, to me, is the, the, whole, the whole story of this game. Uh, Wayne, you're a football bro. Do you got a pick for the Washington-Oregon game just out of curiosity? Because you mentioned it. it is a massive game. We've talked about it every day so far this week, and we will continue to do so. You're a football bro. Where's football bro going? You, you, you guys, listen, there's, there's, as usual, the Pac-12, there's three ranked on, excuse me, four ranked on ranked games. Ranked on ranked. Like two ranked teams, four of them, right, in top 25. Three, three of those games include Pac-12 teams. Two of them are all Pac-12 teams. <laughs> Okay. It's like, this is such a great conference right now. I'm so sad that it's blown up, but I like Oregon. I think Oregon's the more complete team. Now here's my problem with that pick. I've played at, in Seattle. I've played in that stadium. It's going to be stupid loud, but I think Oregon's the more complete team. I love what Washington's doing. Both of these teams to me are potential, potential playoffs, college football playoff teams. That's how good they are. It's going to be a great game, but I'm going to go with Oregon on the road. Look at that. Getting breakdowns from all the games this weekend. I love it, man. Wayne so he's so he's picking the ducks and then he's picking the UCLA Bruins to beat the Beavers. He's just like anti Oregon State right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, we, hey, we could get an Oregon UCLA Pac twelve title game if that's what happens this weekend. I'd be I'd be there for that. It'd be fun, man. Wayne Cook at Wayne Cook UCLA on Twitter. He's a former Bruin quarterback, sideline voice for UCLA football. We always love the time and enjoy your time in uh, Corvallis uh this weekend and best of luck the rest of the season. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah, there you go. Wayne Cook. Great stuff from him on UCLA and Oregon State. And this is, I can't wait for this game. I'm so glad there's a buffer between Oregon, Washington, and UCLA. Oregon State kicking off. I want to talk a little bit more about this coming up next, including a point that Wayne made there. Also, let's hear from Jonathan Smith and his thoughts on the matchup. That's next on The Fam. You know, an interesting point from Wayne Cook there. He loves his Bruins, man. He likes their chances. We all love our teams and room for our teams, right? Yeah. For UCLA... If they win this weekend, won't yep. be easy on the road. Corvallis, Oregon State's won how many home games in a row now, right? Like, they're cooking at home. If UCLA is able to get through this game and win, they don't have Oregon on the schedule. They don't have Washington on the schedule. You know what UCLA's schedule is after this week? At Stanford, mm-hmm. home against Colorado, at Arizona, home against Arizona State, at USC, home against Cal. That's the rest of their schedule. 
And it's one of those where I, you know, I, I think a, a little bit differently about Oregon State. If they win this weekend, I think you're feeling good about the way they've rebounded from the Washington State loss. You still have to play Washington. You still have to go on the road, Eugene, at the end of the year. The schedule is still challenging. This is a unique one for UCLA where we might look up at the end of the year, and I don't know if a freshman quarterback can go in and win all those games. I don't know if I trust them enough to be able to do that. Yeah. We've seen chip teams have these moments and then kind of falter late in the season at UCLA. But there is a pathway if they win this weekend that we're looking at like, wait, is UCLA a one-loss team towards the end of the year? Well, I think UCLA is a really good team. I, I think the the reason I pause and I pump the brakes on this, and look, if they win this weekend, massive win for them. It, that would tell me DJ probably struggled. You, defense got yep. to him, and the run yep. game with Carson Steele and TJ Harden worked. Be a low score, like 21 17 kind of game. The over under yeah. this is actually 52 53. I know, which uh, I love the under. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but yeah. I, I love the under. It's a, it's interesting. But even if they win, I'm still not ready to put them in that conversation. Okay. Um, that defense is stout. Colorado's supposed to get Travis Hunter back this Friday against Stanford. Mm -hmm. They should be able to win that game. And Travis Hunter, to me, is a dynamic that you're not looking past Colorado anymore. Yeah, you named Stanford. They should blow Stanford out. I'm still not convinced they can beat USC. Okay. And the defense of USC is not good. We just talked about that. The true freshman quarterback thing, I just I can't shrug it. I just can't. I can't get past it. How often do we see true freshman quarterbacks in college football actually take their teams and go win the games that they're not necessarily favored and 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 get by those opponents with. It, it isn't often. That's why I kind of like Oregon State this weekend. I think that UCLA defense is for real. I think their running attack's great. They're getting 200 yards on the ground. They're very one-dimensional right now. And when you're one-dimensional and then you're going in a hostile environment, eh, it's a night game, basically. It's a 5 o'clock kick. I just don't really trust it all that much. And we'll see what happens come Monday when we talk. But I even if they win, I'm not ready to put them in there. UCLA, it feels like with Chip seemingly has a game or two a season where <laughs> yes. you go, what? Huh? Who? How? And, and I think the true freshman thing kind of lends itself to that. So it's unfortunate because they are studs defensively. They've got good balance in terms of being able to run the football I think the problem is the pass attack is not consistent enough, and I don't trust true freshmen. Yeah, I think the response I would have to that is I, I, I'm with you in terms of if they win this weekend, how does it look? Like, is it 13-10, DJ throws a pick six, that's UCLA's only touchdown, and it's ugly offensively? That's kind of how I would see it right? happening if they were to lose. Or yeah. does Dante Moore improve? Does he learn from the lessons of the Utah game? Does he get better week in and week out? Like, I, I think that a lot of it will depend on how they win and the way they go about doing it, because nobody doubts their defense, but the question mark about them is their offense. I, I got a couple more things on this. We didn't hear from uh, Jonathan Smith or Chip Kelly. We played some audio yesterday of Kalen DeBoer and Dan Lanning, so I want to hear from Jonathan Smith. He talked about UCLA. Chip Kelly kind of taking a shot at Wazoo. Very complimentary of Oregon State. So we'll hear from those two coaches. Uh, continue on the Pac-12 train to start the final hour. Stat or story coming up at 8.15. Loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Spring on 1080 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <laughs>